I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. It's as simple as a thank you. It's as uncommercial as any holiday other than we buy too many things to stuff our faces with. It celebrates good people and good things. I can remember enjoying going with my family to Wellesley to be with my grandmother. I recall many Thanksgiving dinners here in this house in Worcester with our telling each other around the table what we're thankful for and my dad telling us what he wasn't thankful for, usually something political. But my favorite Thanksgivings were with Hallie and later with our daughters as we would drive south down to her family home in Pennsylvania on the night before Thanksgiving after I had done a Thanksgiving Eve service here in Massachusetts. On the way, in the middle of the night, we'd stop at the Museum of Natural History in New York, and at the time, that was where they blew up those huge Macy's uh, helium balloons for the Macy's parade, and we'd watch as Pluto and uh, Charlie Brown literally rose from the dead. We'd get back in the car, and we'd drive on to Pennsylvania. We'd get there in time for a morning nap and wake up just in time for Thanksgiving dinner. Now, what could be better than that? So through the years, uh, especially this year, I am thankful for Thanksgiving. Obviously, Thanksgiving is going to be a little different this year. The Abbey table here won't be full with family, friends, and guests. We're just going to have Hallie's sister and brother-in-law, who are self-described hermits, uh, who will be COVID-tested before they come. The same will be true on Thanksgiving Eve with our Boston daughter, Betsy, and her new husband, Anthony. And then we're on Thanksgiving Day with Delia and Walter. We're going to do a turkey run to Providence to bring half a 20-pound cooked turkey to our daughter, Sarah, her husband, Greg, and Noah and Silas, our grandchildren. We're going to visit with them in the street, and then we're going to exchange some goodies and be on our way back up here to have Thanksgiving dinner, just the four of us. So this year, Thanksgiving will be different due to the virus. And because of the virus, I really hope that Thanksgiving is going to be different for you too, for safety's sake. Hey, who knows, this year we may be celebrating some new Thanksgiving traditions. In fact, Jimmy Fallon of The Tonight Show has started a Twitter hashtag trend by that name, New Thanksgiving Traditions. Here are a couple that he was sent Declining an invitation to jam my family in the car for a five-hour round trip is now the polite thing to do. Hitting mute on the virtual Thanksgiving dinner will be the norm. Electronics are now allowed at the table. Oh yeah, for the family Zoom thing, of course. The turkey will get a COVID test before it's welcome inside, and that'll be true whether it's the bird or your weird Uncle Joe. We get to enjoy masked potatoes. Hand sanitizer is now considered a side dish, or you can use the gravy boat to sanitize your hands. Ew. And toilet paper is now an acceptable answer to that question about what you're thankful for. Or the what I'm thankful for part of the meal will be real short. Now I'm gonna challenge the last of those new traditions. I'm praying that this year's holiday will actually end up being long on Thanksgiving because being thankful, being really grateful and expressing it has benefits, at least according to a number of scientific studies. For example, when we thank others, it develops or deepens relationships. Now that sort of makes sense to me. 
Gratitude improves physical health with less aches and pains reported by those who are grateful. It improves your psychological health. Your happiness goes up, your toxic emotions go down. And this is interesting. Being grateful enhances our empathy and decreases aggression, especially when intense or hostile situations such as many of us find ourselves in these days. Listing some thank yous before you go to bed can help you to get to sleep. And thankfulness increases our resilience in stressful times. Now, that sounds good, but you know, studies can be twisted any which way from Sunday, so maybe that's why Pastor Tom and the preaching team have decided that this fall is grateful season at the journey as we look at what the Word of God, our written a supreme authority, has to say about gratitude, since being thankful is a powerful antidote to the challenges that we face this season. So today, I'm going to talk about thanksgiving healing, how being grateful is a key way by which God can give us healing, restore us to wholeness, and make us well inside and out. Now, we're going to look at a great story in the Bible. The story of the healing of the 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. The lepers were those who had a skin disease called leprosy, which still is around today. But as we read the story, I remember when a member of one of the first churches I pastored read this passage aloud on a Sunday service. And instead of reading about the 10 lepers, he read about the 10 leapers. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, being part of the pastoral team, we were sitting behind him. And I remember, you know, we were <laughs> doing this as he kept reading about these leapers and this leapers and leaping. And, and we just got this kind of picture of these poor people who had this dreaded kind of condition that whenever they would talk or something, they'd start leaping and jumping around. And, and we were pretty sure that wasn't what the passage was about. But here's the idea. I, I don't want you to think about those leapers uh, as I'm reading this passage, okay? So just don't think about them, all right? So let's read it. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Uh, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, as we walk back through the passage on thanksgiving healing, I'd like us to note a couple things. Notice that Jesus, on his way south in Israel from Galilee, in the north where he grew up, to the capital city of Jerusalem, didn't take the usual route by foot. Faithful Jews would travel first to the east. Then they would go south along the Jordan River and then west to avoid the part of Israel called Samaria, which was 
populated by people called Samaritans, whom they thought of as half-breeds, racially and spiritually. As we note, one of these bad people comes into the story later on, but for now, notice in verse 11 that it says that Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. You know, that's where you often find Jesus in the Gospels, going into the borderlands, into those places where the good people most often didn't go, but where God and his people are drawn, especially so to those who are on the edges of society, the marginalized, the outcasts, those who are most in need of the Savior's love. If you are on the edge, if you're on the outside, if you think of yourself as an outcast, well, then take heart, because as you'll see, he's coming to you, as well as to me and to the rest of us here today. So as Luke says in verse 12, he was going into a village, presumably a village in Samaria. Luke then tells us that he's met by 10 men who had leprosy. Now that's a dreaded neurological disease. It's not around too much these days. It's now called Hansen's disease. In it, the skin gets numbed such that those who have afflicted with it injure themselves without knowing it and they develop terrible skin sores and ulcers. Now in the days of the Exodus, Israelites were commanded to separate themselves from others if they had any kind of skin disease or open sore in order to protect the rest from disease until they could be certified by the priests of the day as having been cured. However, in the centuries since, as the practice continued, those afflicted came to be regarded as unclean not only medically, but also spiritually, as the disease came to define them as being immoral. Luke's original language reflects this. As today's English translation talks about men who had leprosy, actually there in the original, it's just one word. It's the word leper. The skin conditions negatively define the whole person physically and morally, and that's why in verse 12, these lepers stood at a distance from Jesus, having been instructed as lepers to keep their distance, to cry out unclean whenever they approached others, and to wear bells on themselves to warn others of their proximity. And that's, of course, why the ten were together, since no one else wanted to be even near them, both because of what they perceived as the physical danger and also as the perceived moral pollution that was in them. It really was a story of misery, love's company. Well, today, it's very likely in a worship gathering of this size, in both in person and online, that there are listeners or viewers who have been defined negatively by something that's wrong with them, either in their body, in their mind, or their actions. You may have come become what others dislike about you, such that what they dislike becomes you. And perhaps you now only hang out with people who you think are like you, or because you feel as if no one else would want to be with someone like you. Perhaps you've become an addict, or a divorcee, or a thief, or you're a liar. You've become like those Samaritans that people didn't like. You may have listened to the harsh words of other people who have defined you and you've accepted their verdict on who you are. But I got to tell you, Jesus does not. He doesn't see you as a symptom or as a problem, 
but as a person of great value whom he wishes to heal and to save. Now Luke has told us previously in his gospel that Jesus once approached, touched, and healed a man described in that case as full of leprosy. And though Jesus told the man not to tell anyone about it, but just to go and show himself to a temple priest who would certify the healing, news about this touch of Jesus spread everywhere, and likely to these 10 lepers who knew that Jesus would treat them with respect. So that's why here, Luke says that the 10 met him. They came to him. They cried out loudly to him from a distance in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And that is the perfect prayer. Jesus, Master, help. You can try that anytime. And without having to touch them, Jesus just simply told them, as he did with the man before in the story, go show yourself to the priests, not to send them away, but to certify their being cured. You see, you can come to Jesus just as you are, sores and all, hurts and all, and if it may be sins and all, and he won't turn you away. He'll welcome you with open arms. He's ready to heal you, whether you're here in a church building or online at home. You just come to Jesus. But I want to note here that it's possible he may ask you to do something as part of your healing, as he did to these 10 who were asked to go to the priests. Now that would be the last place that they'd want to go since it was the priests who enforced the system of shaming and excluding that had kept them in social and spiritual bondage probably for years. But because Jesus was called master for them, they went. And as Luke goes on to say in verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed. The disease was leaving them at that moment, which was only the beginning of the healing, as we will see in a moment. So it's possible that God may be asking you to do something to be healed. Perhaps it's to admit your need or your problem to somebody else or to go to a support group or to see a doctor or to ask for prayer or to go to apologize or to seek peace. And it may well be that as you go and do those things, you will see the healing start and you'll sense the change within you, perhaps even physically. Now that was the case for me when I was once deeply troubled and confused when I was in college and people had been inviting me to connect with God, but you know, I wasn't gonna do that. But then I, I did it. I started reading the Bible and started connecting with some believers. And as I started doing that, I felt within myself that the darkness was lifting. And so eventually joy started flooding my heart and my life. And no doubt there was joy for those 10 lepers as they noticed their cleansing, their cure, the sores literally lifting off their bodies as they went on their way to the priests. But here's where the story gets interesting. Luke goes on to say that there was one of them in whom God would do even more than just a cure of this disease. Verses 15 and 16 tells us that one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, in verse 17, Jesus affirms that all ten were cleansed. They were all cured. They could all be certified by the priest as being free from their leprosy. Woohoo! That's awesome! 
But this one is experiencing something more than just a cure. He sees that he's been healed, and it's shown in how he leaves the other nine, his safety community. He comes to Jesus, and he holds on to his feet, something that lepers would never do. You see, the word healed is from the same original word, which can also be rendered saved, implying the concept that this man was made whole, that he was finding peace with God in body, soul, mind, heart, and spirit. You see, it's possible for people to be cured of something, to recover from a condition or situation, but not yet to be healed, to be made whole. Curing can be done in a number of ways, including by science, but it is only God who can heal and save. And that's why he's invited you, as he did those lepers, to come to him today. But what I want you to note is the attitude and posture that shows up in this one man's healing. It says, he praised God. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Though thanks and praise were also a result of the healing power of Jesus, it was as the man entered into gratitude, turning back to Jesus to say thank you and to praise God, that was the sign that he was truly healed. And it really was the means of his healing. He was ready not only to be freed from his bondage as a sick outcast, but also to take his place with Jesus and bringing that healing to the world, as had that leper earlier in the Gospel of Luke. And so to confirm this in verse 19, Jesus says to the man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's made you whole. It's delivered you. It's filled you with God's life. Oh, and by the way, this one man was one of those Samaritans, one of those foreigners whom many thought was beyond God's care. Perhaps you think that you too are beyond his care, beyond his pale, or beyond his ability. But Jesus knows otherwise, and he thinks otherwise of so-called foreigners, of you and of me. Even in the midst of our personal, corporate, national, and even international struggles, Jesus wants to say to you, rise, be healed, be made whole. Your faith has made you well. Go into the world and give thanks and praise to God. Make whole people of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. So come to him today and in the week to come, just as you are. Give him thanks and praise for all the good he's done and watch him do more as you begin to get healed. You begin to be made well. Thanks giving healing for this season and for all seasons. So this Thanksgiving, as the old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will see what God has done. And I'm going to add, you'll see what God can do. May the giving thanks portion of your Thanksgiving table be long and deep this year, even in 2020, with thanks and praise. Now, as Hannah mentioned last week, some of us here are sunny side-up people for whom thanksgiving should seem to be easy. 
Now, she described herself as a Pollyanna. Well, if that's what she is, then I probably tend to be a Polly-Andy. I do tend to look for the good in things, but often that's to dodge pain. I don't like pain, so I go to a happy place and see happy things where there aren't happy things. Real Thanksgiving is different. It looks evil and suffering in oneself square in the eye. It counts the cost, the loss, but then is able to see the good around it that comes from God or even the good in it. This is what Hallie, my wife, is doing. She of the realist perspective in this household who is looking her terminal disease straight on and she is seeing God, the good of God, in it. Confined now to her bed or to her chair, unable to speak verbally, she nonetheless gives thanks and praise to God and has recorded some of that with a tablet that translates her eye movements into letters and words. I want you to listen to a portion of the kinds of things she's giving thanks for. We begin with Pad Thai, then we move to Labradors and dog walkers, some of whom are in this church. She puts down my John 17, 23 pastors group. Martha shopping for us. Texts from my daughters, sisters, Len, and the million things he does for me, sitting here with me. Friends, my recliner, the ceiling lift above me, electric controls, Hannah preaching today, Sudoku puzzles on Alexa, a husband who watches TV and feeds me with chocolate pudding, <laughs> naps, candy corn, holidays, Thanksgiving. And so I thank God for the blessing of living with a beautiful woman like this and for the possibility that I too can join her in giving great thanks and like her, be made whole and well. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for Hallie. And I want to thank you for the way that she gives thanks. I thank you for the encouragement that she is to me. And I thank you that she's just reflecting that she is a person who is being healed, even though she has not yet been cured. I thank you that that comes from you. You're the author of Thanksgiving. As the story of creation uh, was recorded for us uh, uh, poetically, we see you looking out on the things that you've created and saying it's good. And then when you created us, you said it's very good. That's an occasion of Thanksgiving. So thank you, Lord, for passing along that ability to give thanks to us. And so I pray that in these days we would use it well. And that as we do, we would see remarkable things happening in us and through us. That healing would come upon us. That thanks would indeed give healing. That there would be a thanksgiving healing in these days, in this season, that would bring life and hope and help to us and to many whom we know who are really in need of you and the thanks that you can make possible. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise, God. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.